For those of you I have yet to meet in person, I'm Matthew. And though I serve as lead pastor here, it brought me great joy to hear Caleb this morning say, Hi, I'm Caleb, a pastor at Kingsway Community Church. <laughs> so instead of introducing myself, I'm just going to introduce you all over again, pal. Uh, what a joy that is. Today is a uniquely important gathering for us. Some of you are thinking, why in the world is Matthew wearing a sport coat? It is a uniquely important gathering for us, and it is cold outside. Uh, but here's why. Uh, for the first time in more than a decade, I want you to think about that. Uh, we are sending out a family from our midst to plant a new local church. We're commissioning this man, who was also ordained two weeks ago, and is now a pastor, not a pastor in training, Josh Jr., to plant Sovereign Grace Church of Ventuk, Namibia. And if you see it written, it looks like Windhoek. So don't be thrown off by that. You pronounce it Ventuk, Namibia. And as I was greeting out front this morning, um, friend Daniel Ladone came in and said, man, it's a bittersweet day, isn't it? I said, Daniel, that's exactly right. It is a bittersweet morning for us that, that know you guys and your boys because we've developed new friendship with you over the last year. We're not sending out a couple that we're eager to get rid of. <laughs> Selfishly, we wish you guys good stuff. And I don't say that to make you feel bad, but just to recognize what, what the Lord has done, brothers and sisters, in knitting our hearts together. This is not a procedural thing we're doing. This is relational. So it's bitter because we're going to miss you dearly, but it's sweet because we see God's hand on your lives in a remarkable way. That's why it's bitter and that's why it's sweet. In our land, there are many churches filled with many members that are doing all sorts of things in Jesus' name. Many of those things are good, but there's a danger in all the things that many churches and many members in those churches do in Jesus' name. The danger is that Think of it this way. The simple fact that an individual member wants to do something or a church is excited about doing something does not make whatever they're doing a biblical priority. Think about that. We, we might feel really excited. We, we could raise a ton of money for something, but neither of those factors by themselves Make something that we do for Jesus' sake, so to speak, something that actually honors Jesus. You realize that? We, we, we need to look to Scripture, brothers and sisters, to God's Word, to discern, Lord, is this labor that Josh and Lisa are eager to pursue and we're eager to support, is this something that that we can step forward in, confident in your help. 
Can we do that? Because the local and global work we do in Jesus' name, please hear this, all the work we seek to do in Jesus' name, it will only succeed, brothers and sisters, if it is consistent with God's mission strategy. If it's just something we're excited about, if it's just something we raise a lot of money to do, but is not consistent with Christ's mission strategy, it's not going to succeed. It's not even going to get off the ground. We need to look to God's word. Romans 15 helps us here. What is the mission strategy God himself has given us? So we're going to linger in verses 14 to 21 because I want us to recognize that church planting is more than something Josh and Lisa are doing. It's something God is doing and something God has called us to get behind as a church family. And please hear this. When I say get behind as a church family, I do not mean, because this is what we're going to see in Romans 15, it's not we get behind it once in a while or once in a blue moon when God brings a couple all the way from Namibia to Midlothian, Virginia. I mean, what are the odds that's going to happen again in the next 10 years, right? Not high. I mean, may it be. But I carry a a concern as your pastor that collectively we not process this morning as, oh, well, that's that's a cool random once in a blue moon weird thing God's doing through Josh and Lisa. If that's your perspective, oh, how great, we could sort of applaud Josh and Lee's and their thing. You're missing it. Because this is a God thing. And this is something he's called us to, Kingsway, as a lifestyle. Here's my prayer. Lord, would you ignite a biblical vision in our hearts for church planting over the next 10 years? That's been my prayer leading up to this Sunday. That make us a church that multiplies. Make make us a church that is faithful to send our best. Make us a church that is spared the very American trap of thinking. Faithfulness looks like gathering and gathering and building bigger barns (laughs) until the Lord returns. Make us a people, Lord, that that joyfully sacrifice whatever is necessary so that those who have never been told of Jesus would hear. And those who do not know him would understand. Hear the word of the Lord, Romans 15, verse 14. Paul writes to the church in Rome, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. That you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except 
what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Lord, we ask for your help and your blessing now in this preaching of your word. It's fair to say in these verses that Paul is explaining the spiritual priorities that define biblical missions. He's defining biblical missions. Remember I said earlier, there are a lot of churches, a lot of people in those churches doing all sorts of things in Jesus' name. But anything we're doing in Jesus' name is only going to succeed if it's consistent with God's mission strategy, with what biblical missions actually is. And and Paul explains what biblical missions is in these verses. I'll define it this way. Biblical missions is a ministry of the gospel accomplished by the Spirit that produces local churches. It's not complicated, but it is supernatural. (laughs) It's a ministry of the gospel accomplished by the Spirit that produces healthy local churches. So let's, let's look at each part of that briefly this morning. First, the gospel is the focus of biblical missions. What is biblical missions? What's the first thing you need to know about? What, what's that mission strategy that will only succeed if we're consistent with it? The gospel is the focus of biblical missions. Paul neither planted nor pastored the church in Rome. True story. But, but that didn't stop him from, from exercising his God-given authority as an apostle of the risen Christ. And so after he commends their spiritual maturity in verse 14, he he explains in verse 15 why he wrote this entire letter. Look there. But on some points I've written you boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Romans This is what I'm all about. That's what Paul's doing. I'm I'm a minister of Christ Jesus. Who am I, Romans? I'm a minister of Christ Jesus. Who is writing to you, Romans? A minister of Christ Jesus. What does he mean by that? He means Christ is the source of his ministry. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians 5. And that Christ is the substance of his ministry. Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the source and and the substance. In other words, Paul's saying, I work for Jesus. I answer to King Jesus. In in all I do and, and how I do it, I'm taking my cues from him. Which which raises the question: what did Paul spend his time doing as a minister of Christ Jesus? I mean, that, 
that could, could seem like an eight-lane freeway. There, there's all kinds of arguably good things he could have focused on, but notice there's one thing and only one thing that, that is the supreme object of his concern, the, the focus of his public and private ministry. What is it? The gospel of God. The, the good news of Jesus Christ. And all he has done to accomplish salvation for mankind. Look at verse 16. I am a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Kingsway, the the blazing center of biblical missions is not cultural transformation. Or political influence. Or taking Congress back for Christ. Or, or even human flourishing. In a broad sense. The blazing center of biblical missions is the advance of the gospel in the hearts and lives of the people of God. So when Paul told the Corinthians, For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ And him crucified. He wasn't saying, of all the biblical missions options I could choose, you know, I just felt strangely drawn to the Christ and him crucified thing. You know, I'll go with chocolate. No, no. He wasn't choosing a missional option among many. He was embracing and devoting his life to what biblical missions is all about, friends. It's all about the gospel. And let's be honest. We're we're not apostles to the Gentiles, right? In the same way. Paul was. But the focal point of God's mission hasn't changed. That's the point. Christ and Him crucified remains the wisdom of God and the power of God. No other message can bring a sinner home to God. No other message can can turn the heart of a child to their parents. No no other message can, can transform someone's life from the inside out, their identity, relationships, affections, and ambitions. And here's what that means. There's something you need, friend, more than a pay raise, more than a spouse, more than a boyfriend, more than a new home, more than the gift of children, more than the gift of another friend, more than a vacation. You need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul isn't just talking about Historical facts. Pastor, I know the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got the historical facts. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the ground. I mean, how many times do you have to say it? It's only three simple things. (laughs) I'm not just talking about historical facts. Paul is talking about certainly historical facts, but also the present implications and applications of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what... What claim, what impact does, does the gospel have on our conduct at work? Or the way we spend our money? Or, or how does the gospel impact our marriages? Or the, the way we raise our kids? Paul, Paul did a lot of different things in a lot of different places over the course of his missionary journeys. But, but he had a singular focus, brothers and sisters. Singular focus. In this moment, in this relationship, in this public gathering, how can I testify? to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Levitical priests served the temple under the Old Covenant, we are called, like Paul, 
in the priestly service of the gospel today. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are. A holy nation, people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, here's the goal, the excellencies of him who called you. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Out of darkness, into his marvelous light. So here's my challenge for you, okay? This morning is not just all about Josh and Lisa. Here's God's challenge to you from his word. If you're a member of our church, ask the Lord to make the gospel the focus of your labor in every sphere of life this year. When you're at work, you're not there merely to pay the bills. You're there to proclaim and adorn the gospel. When when you're at home, you're not there just to to watch the kids. You're, You're there to proclaim and adorn the gospel. When you're at school or on your vacation, you're not just there to get good grades or kick back and relax. What are you there for? To proclaim and adorn the gospel. We, we exist, Paul's reminding us, we all exist as the people of God to make much of Jesus. To, to testify to the world that there is no one and nothing more satisfying than him. The focus of biblical missions is always the gospel. So, Josh and Lisa, a thousand things are going to compete for your time and attention in the next year. Remember, there's one thing that matters most. And only one, pal. As a minister of Christ, you've been commissioned in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Make, make the gospel the focus of your life. And God will do through your ministry the same thing he did through Paul. He, he will create, he will raise up living sacrifices in the midst. He'll, he'll regenerate dead hearts through that gospel and, and bring men and women into the freedom and joy of life in the kingdom of God. Only the gospel can do that, Josh. So I charge you to preach Christ. And only Christ. You're not going back to Vintook, pal. Because life is easier there. Odds are good you're going to have rolling blackouts next year. <laughs> life isn't easier there. We know that in many ways it's harder. I mean, Which is why so many of, if you didn't know this, Kingsway, so many of their friends didn't actually expect them to go back. Even you know, a few weeks ago, they're like, so, so you staying in America? <laughs> no. But they're not going back because life's easier. They're going back to Vintook for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for doing that. Remember the focus. Gospel is the focus of biblical missions. Point number two. The Spirit is the power for biblical missions. The gospel is the focus. The Spirit is the power. Verse 17, look there. Paul says something that that I think at first glance could seem like a problem. He says, I have reason to be what? Reason to be proud. Reason to be proud? (laughs) Reason to be proud of my work for God. I mean, it's like, hold on a second, Paul. Last time I checked, you know, you're a middle high school student listening to me. I 
I'm willing to bet most times your parents have talked to you about pride. It wasn't in the, we encourage you to walk in pride. <laughs> you know, it's reason to be proud? What, what are you talking about? Isn't, isn't boasting an expression of arrogance? Well, friends, there's a, there's a kind of boasting. An, an outspoken delight, if you would. An exaltation that God says is exceedingly good. And it's actually the essence of true worship. There is no true worship without this species of boasting. So what is it? It's a heart that exalts in what God has done. Psalm 66 verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. What's Paul doing? He's, he's telling the Romans... He's doing the exact same thing he told the Corinthians to do. 1 Corinthians 1.31. Let the one who boasts, what? Boast in the Lord. But look at verse 17. Paul isn't saying that clearly, boast in the Lord. What's he saying? He's boasting in his work for God. So how is... His work for God and boasting in His work, boasting in the Lord. Tracking with me? Well, look at verse 18, because it gets clearer. For I will not venture to speak, what's his boasting sound like? Except, venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. What Christ has accomplished through me. Question, did Paul work crazy hard in the cause of biblical missions? Yeah. yeah that, there should be no hesitation. Uh, he worked crazy hard. Let me give you an example, okay? He, he basically preached Christ throughout the entire eastern half of the Roman Empire. And it wasn't really a walk in the park. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. That means beaten just about until you're dead. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, in the wilderness, at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, wait, you're not done? There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. (laughs) He worked hard. But in verse 18 of Romans 15, Paul recalls all of that. And it was a lot. And he says, none of that labor was ultimately my due. Romans, that was the Lord. That was the Lord. Lord's power working in me. Lord's power working through me. Isaiah 26, 12. For you have indeed done for us all of our work. Paul looks back over his ministry and he doesn't say, 
what I have done is amazing. That's not his boast. He says, Lord, what you have done is marvelous in my eyes. What you've done, Lord. Sister, did you practice patience toward a disgruntled toddler this week? I won't ask you to raise your hand. (laughs) That was Christ that worked through you. Brother, did you unselfishly shoulder extra responsibility at the office this week so your coworker could take time off? That was Christ that worked through you. What, what, did, what, what Travis did is the testimony he shared earlier about sharing Christ with that young man, urging him to follow Jesus. That was Christ at work through Travis. That we could go on, right? What's the point? Whatever we have done in the service of the gospel, God has done for us. Whatever you ever do in service of the gospel, God has done for you. Power for biblical missions comes from God. As Doug Moose says, I love this, the success of his ministry is due entirely to divine enablement. Christ is the active worker in the things of which Paul is speaking. Paul is simply the instrument. How many of you have ever been to a concert where there was a really good electric guitar player? Any of you? Just slip your hand up besides Ben Taylor. I know more. There we go. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Imagine if after that concert, there was a line of hundreds of people all behind this guitar asking this guitar for an autograph. You know, and, and the musician who played it is just kind of like, you know, it's just hundreds of people all wanting to, what, what's wrong with that picture? I mean, besides the obvious, okay, don't roll your eyes, like, guitars can't sign things, I know that. <laughs> but what, what's wrong with that concept? What's wrong is that that's just an instrument. Why do people want the musician's autograph? Because the musician wrote the music. And the musician practiced the music. And the musician mastered the music. And and the musician played the music. That the musician made it happen. That's that's just an instrument. No no offense, Josh. Fernandez. (laughs) Friend, we're nothing more than instruments. We're just instruments. Paul was simply an instrument. You're an instrument. Christ is the musician. So how did Christ accomplish the ministry of the gospel through Paul? It's an important question. Well, the same way he does it through us today. Paul mentions three categories. Quickly, look at the end of verse 18. Let's work through these. First category, how how did Christ accomplish the ministry of the gospel through Paul? First, he does it by word and deed. What's that? Through speech that declares the truth about Jesus and through actions that proclaim the worth of Jesus. Second, verse 19, he does it by the power of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. There's certainly a sense in which the way Paul cast out demons or raised the dead 
or, or shook a viper off his unharmed hand into a fire, reflected unique moments in redemptive history. Okay, that's real. That's not just the, I'll grant you that. That's true. But, this is critical, our wonder-working God has not changed. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gone through a makeover. And, and the spiritual gifts that he pours out today into the life of every believer are no less essential for the mission of the gospel. And that includes gifts that are manifestly supernatural. So when the Spirit gives you a a prophecy or or a word of knowledge for someone that, that unbeknownst to you, you share that, you read that scripture, and it speaks exactly to what they're thinking or going through, you realize a miracle just happened. That was a miracle. When when the Spirit compels you, gives you faith to pray for someone who's sick and they're healed today, because that still happens, God's still in the business of doing that, that's a miracle. When you call upon the name of the Lord to rescue someone who's been trapped in besetting sin, was oppressed by an evil spirit, and they're delivered, you know what that is? That's a miracle. That's a supernatural work of God. So he does it by the power of signs and wonders. Third, and finally, Christ accomplishes the ministry of the gospel. Look at the end of verse 19. By the power of the Spirit of God. Please notice that is not a separate third category. As if you have the word and deed approach, <laughs> the signs and wonders approach, or the I'm empowered by the Spirit approach. <laughs> no, that's a summary of the whole. Because all true gospel ministry, in word and deed, power, signs, and wonders, it's ultimately the Spirit's work. There's no such thing, please hear this, there's no such thing as work for God done in your own strength. Say that again. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. You'll never find it, let alone engage in it, because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as work for God done in human strength. Doing God's work requires God's power. Always has. Always will. So, Josh and Lisa, remember that. A mountain of work lies before you guys. (laughs) Let's not get started, right? A mountain of work lies before you guys. You feel it. You know it. But the point of this verse is that it's not ultimately your work. It's God's work. It's the Spirit's work. He's going to speak through you. He's going to act through you. He's going to work miracles through you. So the word of the Lord to you today is quite simply, fear not. Because he'll empower you. When you board that plane on Wednesday, guys, walk down that gangway, toting your luggage with the unshakable confidence that God is with you. That the Spirit's empowering you. This isn't your work, ultimately. You're just that guitar. And that's good news for all of us, friends. What is biblical missions? It's focused on the gospel. It's empowered by the Spirit. Lastly, we'll end with this. The church is the goal of biblical missions. So the gospel is the focus. Okay, what are we aiming at? The ministry of the gospel. 
How are we getting there? What's the power? What's the gas in the car? It's the Spirit of God. And what is it producing? This is critical. What's the goal? What's the result? The aim? It's the local church. Wells are dug and microloans are issued and job skills are imparted and thousands of other good works are done by Christians all around the globe in the name of biblical missions. Are those things commendable? Yes. Yes. Without hesitation. Why? Because they're a fine example of Galatians 6.10 in action. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. That's good. That's good works in action. But this is important. When Paul summarizes the result of all the gospel ministry the Spirit empowered him to do, he doesn't point to wells and microloans and job skills, as good as those things are. He points to something different. He points to local churches. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, verse 19, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Meredith, can we put that... A map up there? Do we have that slide? Yes? Okay. Very good. Jerusalem is a city in Israel. It's kind of on the bottom right-hand side of that red arc that I drew, which is why it's a little squiggly and shaky. Illyricum is in the green at the end of that arc. It's a Roman province in the first century, somewhere near modern-day Albania. It's to the east side of the Adriatic Sea opposite Italy. That is a crazy amount of territory. Paul's talking about a geographic arch that basically covered the entire eastern half of the Roman Empire. And what is he saying about that whole area? He's saying this, and it's a massive area. In that whole area, the entire area, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. (laughs) That's actually what he's saying. I'm not going to pull out some... Language, magic trick. Well, he's not really saying that. That's actually what he's saying. So how can you say that, Paul? Are are you saying everyone in that area has become a Christian? History doesn't bear witness to that. Or that the Christians in that area have worked out all the implications of the gospel in, in every area of life. He's not saying that. The next few verses clarify what he's actually saying. Verse 20 Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Or verse 23, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Why not? Well, it's because Paul had planted local churches in all the key cities in the Roman Empire throughout that entire He planted churches in all the key cities, places where Christ once was not named, now had a congregation 
proclaiming the name of Jesus to their neighbors and all who pass through. Places like what? Like Cyprus and Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe and Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and Corinth and Ephesus and Troas and we could keep going. Paul's work was finished because a multitude of churches were equipped and positioned to faithfully proclaim and fruitfully adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, the the great goal of gospel ministry in the power of the Spirit is not just to win as many converts as possible or to do as many good deeds as possible or to demonstrate the love of God as much as possible. The goal, God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus is to gather his people into healthy local churches. Marked by the right preaching of God's word, the right administration of the sacraments, and the right practice of church discipline. That is the goal. Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, you preached on this, pal, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church. Missions work where the end game is something other than healthy local churches falls short of God's goal for biblical missions. That's the point. And several years ago, our elders, convinced of this, working with our International Missions Committee, we we developed a list of seven guiding principles for how we practice biblical missions at King's Way. And, And here's principle number one. Listen to this. Our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We begin with the end in view. By prioritizing the work of planting and building healthy indigenous churches in all our frontier missions activities, especially in areas that do not yet have a viable Christian witness. You you realize that's why we're sending Josh and Lisa to Vinville? For that reason. We're we're, we're convinced from Scripture, convinced from God's Word, that planting and building healthy local churches is the goal, the aim of biblical missions. It was in the first century. It remains so today. Are there other activities we may engage in along the way? Certainly. But the local church has to remain the center of our mission strategy because Christ has placed the church at the center of his mission strategy, and unless our mission strategy aligns with Christ's mission strategy, will it succeed? No. No, it won't succeed. Years ago, Josh told me, Matthew, I've never been part of a church in African soil that I wanted to replicate. He wasn't kidding. That that grieved my heart. I think rightly so, because it grieves God's heart. Christ longs for his bride to be made ready. Not just here in Midlothian, but but around the world. Josh and Lisa, we believe the Spirit's going to use you to plant a healthy local church in Vintook that will be replicated throughout Southern Africa. We believe that. What what you guys have have grieved, 
the Spirit's going to use you to heal and restore. Know as you are returning home to plant Sovereign Grace Church Inventive that you are engaged in the most important, eternally influential work Christ rose to accomplish. Building up His chosen bride. Our prayer is that God would fulfill through your Spirit-empowered ministry the same promise He fulfilled through Paul's ministry, which was merely a fulfillment of a promise the Lord made through Isaiah centuries before Paul, let alone Josh and Lisa, showed up on the scene. He quotes from Isaiah 52, 15. Look at verse 21. Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. The servant of the Lord, Isaiah longed for God's chosen people to see. That's the Christ Josh and Lisa have purpose to proclaim. So guys, take heart in the two wills in verse 21. Because the sovereign authority of Almighty God stands behind them. It's a sure promise written in the blood of Christ that those who have never been told of Jesus will see. That's not your will. That's not Paul's hope. That's not if they work hard enough and make enough sacrifices. That is, that is the promise of Almighty God. They will see. They will understand. Kingsway, that's the promise that this entire commissioning this morning is built on. <laughs> if we didn't have that, this is just a joke. We should all go home. But because God has said, they will see. They will understand. We send you guys out with great confidence in a faithful God. May you do it for the sake of your glory, Lord. Biblical missions is a ministry of the gospel accomplished by the Spirit that produces healthy local churches. Father, we pray you would do that through this couple. But we pray that because that's what we long for you to do through us, Lord. Would you make us a church that is engaged in biblical missions? Would you keep Josh and Lisa engaged in biblical missions? Lord, would would the gospel be the focus of what we do and they do? Would all we do be empowered by the Spirit? No less for them, Lord. And would the fruit of our labor in Midlothian and and their labor in Vintook result in healthy local churches? Lord, make make Kingsway a church that multiplies often, consistently, diligently. Make Sovereign Grace Church of Vintuck a church that multiplies often and consistently and, and diligently. Thank you, God, that with Josh and Lisa, we're engaged in the same exceedingly good work of biblical missions. Help us, we pray in your name. Amen.